Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 54, where in a moment we chat pensions and divorce. It's coming up. But if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply by delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we've covered mortgages, investments, pensions, credit unions, self-build homes, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we actually looked at the world of financial services as a career prospect. If that's something that's of interest to you too, dive right in. We can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. And with me as always, the star of the show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, okay, pensions and divorce. We've looked at both at various times and in different ways, but I don't recall a time when we focused on them together. So why are we? Yeah, I kind of thought, good to, to do a show on this topic. Really, it gives people an idea of some of the options that's available if if they split up. I mean, if, if someone is getting divorced, if you and your spouse have agreed to, to separate, then there's a lot to consider. You've got things like money, savings, investments, property. But the one that often, not so much gets overlooked, but pensions is often quite a big asset for, for people, but there is, it's often one that, that can get overlooked. I was reading an article just the other day, and according to it, it says that a quarter of women waive their pension rights in divorce, which was quite a, a staggering kind of statistic, I thought. And, and I can understand that. Sometimes if somebody's going through a divorce, they want to sort of sort things out really quickly and just move on. But I, I don't know, the research kind of indicates that too frequently people overlook the, the mutual value of their, their pensions. So I thought, good to, to do a show on that today. I mean, it, that, that by overlooking think pensions, it particularly has a harsher impact on women. And, and the main reason for that is that women typically live longer than men. So their savings needs to stretch over a, a longer period of time. So especially for any women in a, a, a marriage, if they are separating and divorcing, it really is such an, an important thing for them, but they're also an important thing for, for men as well. And, and according to legal in general, only 3% of people seek financial advice as part of their divorce. But, you know, it's so important. And I, I really find that staggering because by, by seeking financial advice at that time, it just helps ensure like the separation is likely to be sort of fair and equitable. And it leaves all parties in the best shape to pursue the next chapter in their lives. Yeah, at some point in this episode, we'll get onto that old joke about why in so many cases men die before women, but I'm not sure if I want to risk it just yet or at all. So let's move on for now. Uh, as with all our subjects, not much scratching underneath the surface to discover, Phil, that uh, here's another thing which could be hugely important in your life going forward. I get the idea that when you're going through a divorce, perhaps the, the sort of practical head isn't the one leading the negotiation. So I wonder if, given that, um, bringing a financial advisor into the equation might be something that, that gets recommended already to people in that situation. Is it something you've ever been involved in, Phil, as an advising firm? 
Yeah, I mean, in, in the past, I've personally helped quite a number of clients in, in that position. And sadly, it comes up, I'd probably say, more frequently these days. I don't know how divorce numbers have kind of gone over the last year with, with lockdown and stuff, but I, I know divorce rates had been on the, the rise for, for quite some time. And I, I always tended to find traditionally the busiest time of year for that was kind of around about January, February time. There was always the folk saying oh, it was after folk in flings at Christmas parties and the like. But I, I guess some people maybe like to get Christmas out the way with the family and then decide, look, that's that's it. But yeah, over the years, it's something I've been involved quite quite a lot in myself. It, it's a good opportunity. Other professional services like solicitors are, are important at that kind of time as well. I mean, some people will do things amicably. Some people, it won't be so so amicable, but sorting out the pensions at the time of divorce, it's, it's such an important thing. We'll get on to that in a second. I'm just curious that when you're talking about solicitors firms going through the, the divorce process, do the, do the solicitors firms ever advise to bring in your type of firm and, and then you get in as a result of that? They do. I mean, we, we work quite closely with a, a couple of different solicitor firms You'll find you get the odd client. So some clients will come to a financial advisor first and they'll maybe think, right, can I afford to get divorced? That That's something I, I've had. I've sat down with people in the past. I, I remember one lassie and she, she basically stayed with her husband because she felt that she couldn't afford to leave him. So I, I've seen that done before. I, I think in a lot of cases, once, once somebody decides, right, the relationship's no longer for me, Quite often, the first protocol will be maybe a solicitor or, or legal firm. but And then, like I say, you'll get some that will approach a financial advisor. I mean, that statistic there, only 3% seek financial advice when they're divorcing. I, I thought that was just quite staggering. I mean, financial advice, good triggers are usually if something big in your life happens. So, for example, if you have a, a baby, if you get married, moving home, start a new job, and, and divorcing and separating is one of those times where I always feel it's such an important time for people to sit down with a, a financial planner and, and just have a look at all their, their finances. Yeah, but you see, that's that's thinking rationally. And, and when you're on the verge of going through a divorce, perhaps you're not thinking all that rationally. At the time. And it, it's just the, 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 the driving thing, I would imagine, is let's just bring an end to this. Let's draw a line under this situation. So it, it's a speedy thing if they can possibly yeah. do it. So pensions and divorce, Phil, what, what are some of the options open to you if you find yourself in this situation? There's a few different ways that, that pensions can be sorted out when people are divorcing. The oldest method of dealing with pension benefits is called offsetting. And, and what happens there is the, the value of the pension assets are taken into account when you're valuing the couple's matrimonial assets. Now, what, what kind of happens is that the, the, the divorcing couple both keep their own pension rights, but the value of that is taken into account and maybe offset against other assets. So let, let's just give an example. Let, let's say that you've got, the male has got 100,000 of pensions, the woman's got, let's say, 50,000. So, so what will then happen is that she'll maybe say, right, I've got 50,000, you've got that, so we'll offset mine against yours. There's a discrepancy, I say 50. She would maybe be, say, entitled to half. And instead of her getting her hands on any of the, the husband's pension at that point, what will then happen is that it gets offset against something else. So let's say they've got the value of the house. She might say, right, I'll take, instead of taking some of your pension, 
I'll take more of the house. So that that's what will kind of happen there. So, so if one spouse has greater pension provision than the other, they'll often look to use something else to offset them. And, and to be honest, like a lot of the times folk will say, well, I'd rather have access to that cash so that I could use it for maybe buying my next property or moving home. So, so they won't always want the, the pension money. So I would say offsetting is, is one of the ones that, that that's probably like the, the oldest method of, of kind of dealing with, with pension benefits. Okay, so that's offsetting. Anything else? Uh, another thing that you can do is called earmarking. And, and the way that that works, earmarking became available for divorce petition, uh, divorces petitioned or, or started on or after the 1st of July, 1996. So that's been around for, for a wee while now. And the idea there is that at the point of, of when somebody separates, a certain percentage of the members' benefits in their pension is taken and then paid to the other party. So, so for example, again, let, let's say you've got a guy with the, the pension. I, I'm not trying to be sexist by, by saying that, but it could be either the, the male or the, the female, but or same-sex couples now as well. But you, you've got to, whoever's got the, the pension, what will then happen at that point is when they retire, a certain amount of that pension will then be paid to the person that the, the other person in the relationship. So uh, you maybe get to the age of 65, your pension say 10 grand a year, and it's maybe been agreed that half of that is earmarked to go to say the wife or the husband, whoever gets it. So, so that's how that kind of arrangement works. So you don't actually get anything until that person retires. Earmarking orders they, they can also be made against a member's tax-free lump sum. So a lot of people have got the right for a, a tax-free lump sum when they retire. So it may be that a portion of that will go to the, the other person as well. In, in Scotland, it's only lump sums that can be earmarked. So they can't... Here, it's slightly different from, from down south. So there's a few differences to, to take into account there. Some of the downfalls of earmarking is that the funds are are taxed on the original pension. Whoever's got the pension originally, the funds are taxed on them and not the like the, the ex-spouse. And another downside for, for the receiving partner is that the member or the whoever's still in the pension scheme, they've got control over that investment. So uh, th there's a couple of disadvantages of, of kind of earmarking there as well. The other thing that crosses my mind about earmarking specifically, Phil, is when you're talking about this going on to the point of someone retiring, and, and we were mentioning earlier, men traditionally or anyway, you know, usually die before the woman. If if a if a man that what happens because you're presumably your will's changed, right? So if you've divorced, you're no longer leaving a sum in your will to to your the person you've divorced. So what happens in yeah. terms of earmarking if you die? Do they just lose access to that money? That's the you usually pensions will have some sort of death benefit. And you know it's always important to review the death benefits on pensions. And that, that that's a good point because if you've got a pension and, and you've maybe whether you're married or not, you'll usually specify a nominated beneficiary for the death benefits. So again, that, that's such an important thing. When somebody splits up or divorces, you want to review who the nomination, who, who's getting the death benefits 
from your pension. So that, that's an important thing as well. Another downside of earmarking is that somebody may remarry. And if, if they remarry, that can have big consequences on, on earmarking as well. So that, that's one that I, I mean, it's not something to totally rule out, but the, the other options sometimes are maybe better. The other one to consider, you've got like a pension share or the offsetting that we mentioned already. So the, I do tend to prefer, like myself, that if I was doing it, that would be the options I would prefer, prefer to, to kind of go down as opposed to the, the earmarking yeah, route. Take, take, take me back to the, because it sounds complicated is what it sounds actually, earmarking. If you said there, if someone remarries, so let's let's just say we're looking at the man in this, in this instance and he divorces his wife uh, and then remarries, and earmarking was the option that they'd gone with when he divorced his first wife. When he remarries, does the first wife then just lose whatever she was due? Is that, I mean, is there does that is that what happens? Yeah, I mean, that, one of the things there, it's often I, I would say earmarking. It doesn't allow for a clean break. No, that's that's the issue. That, that's I know that that's one of the the kind of things there, but. It is, and, and like I say, the, the former spouse doesn't have any control over things there. And it is, like, that that member, if things weren't amicable, they, they could, they, they probably wouldn't have the same, uh, they might not look after that money as well as what they, they should, but it is that there's, that that's one of the things as well, that it's not so good in the future for, for someone, if somebody, like, remarries, it has big consequences there, where earmarking might it might no longer be be relevant at that point. Mm, that yeah, earmarking and offsetting the two things we've mentioned so far. We're looking today on the show at pensions and divorce. Maybe something overlooked during a divorce where, where people really are quite emotional, understandably, and uh, are looking for the situation to be resolved as quickly and easy as possible. I wonder if Phil, given that that state of affairs, if there's already like an existing simple action that comes into play, you know, something which has been devised with regards to pensions that you can just push a button on in the course of a divorce that makes it as smooth and painless a procedure as possible for both parties. Anything like that? One of the things we, we see a lot of is pension sharing. Um, so I'd, I'd mentioned that just briefly yeah. there. And pension sharing came in for divorces that were partitioned on or after the 1st of December 2000. So that's slightly newer kind of there, but still been around for kind of 20 plus years. With, with sharing, what happens is the, the pension is passed from one member of the couple to another. So if I had a pension pot with someone was married, split up from my, my wife, she could then say, right, I want a share of that pension to go into my own pension. They've then got control of that money. And then once they get to for example, at the minute, age 55, they can then take a tax-free lump sum from it. Basically, there, in general, pension sharing order is expressed as a percentage of the members. They, they can cut, they, they get what's called a, a cash equivalent transfer value. So they, they'll, they'll look and say, right, what was the value of that pension at the time when we split up? So some people will argue and say, well, look, a lot of that rights were built up before we were in the relationship, so they'll try to argue that they shouldn't have the right to, to as much. And that's where all the, the solicitors and the legal side, they, they'll sort all of that kind of thing out. But what happens with a pension share is um, a pension debt is created 
in relation to the members' pension rights and then an equivalent pension credit, that money then goes to the, the ex-spouse, but that goes into a pension. So they don't get that as a cash sum. That actually goes into a, a pension for, for them. And, and I would say that like pension sharing, it's often seen as probably the, the cleanest way to split a pension on divorce. Although it, it probably can be, initially it can be quite complex. Some, some of the positives, so I mentioned there, you, you've got a clean break. So once that's in place, the ex-spouse, like all, all the steps are, are then taken. So they're then in total control of the money. The pension credit doesn't, rev, like doesn't revert if the ex-spouse remarries. So unlike the, the earmarking where if they remarry again, it's got consequences on it. With, with this type of pension sharing arrangement, there, there's nothing like that. You're then in control of all the investment decisions that you make. You can decide when you're going to draw down on the pension. Whereas, like for example, what we earmark in, you're then bound by when they take the pension. So that there's a lot more flexibility and you're a lot more control. And also from a tax point of view, it, what you might find is the, the one that's receiving the pension might have been the lower earner. So when they come to retire, the tax position might be better at, at that point as well. So a lot of benefits are looking at maybe a pension sharing arrangement. Okay, let me just go over this, check I've got this right. Pension sharing appears to appeal on a certain level in so much as once it's done, it's done. It's a clean break, like you say. And for divorces, I'd imagine a lot of people find that most attractive in a pension part of the settlement. Have I picked up the gist of that correctly? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. Uh, it also sounds to me in layman's terms that offsetting sounds the simplest to implement and that it's it's less complex. We've spoken before about moving pensions and putting them all in one pot. Do any of these options we've spoken about impact the value of the pension or the, or the protections in place on the pensions? I guess what I'm saying is, just recap for me those big pros and cons of yeah, each. Yeah, so I mean, like I my, my own sort of personal preferences, if I was like the receiving party, I'd, I'd be thinking, right, I'd be looking at either like offsetting or a pension share. That 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 tends to suit most people, and and like I say, it gives you a better, like more a cleaner kind of break. What one thing? I mean, if if you're the the person that whose pension is is being split, so so let's say there's a pension share going on, and they're taking a portion of your pension, you may then have to build that back up. So it's important to look and say, right, I mean, if if, if half the value of your pension pot just disappears almost overnight. Can you then live off what you've got left? So, it, so it's an important area, not just for the person who's receiving any cash from the pension, but it's also an important area for the one whose pension pot is maybe being depleted by by all of this as well. It, it, it is that's such a, and that that's why I really feel people should be taking financial advice when they they split up and separate. As a financial advisor, Phil, I, I think you said offsetting is the the one that you you would probably recommend. Is there or, any... or, or a pension share as well. Yeah, I think I... But there, it definitely worth, it's worth considering all the options. But like I, for me personally, like maybe offsetting or a, a pension share would, would be the ones that, that I tend to prefer. Is there is there any one, not which is best, but which is most popular, let's say? I, I'd probably say, I mean, the, the one that we come across most is probably pension sharing. But the, the reason for that is that if someone goes to a solicitor, if they are doing earmarking or offsetting, they often won't, financial advisors often won't be involved in that. Whereas if it's a pension share, 
someone needs to set up a new pension. So they'll often go to a financial planner to get that set up. So that that's probably the one that we come across most of all, I would say. Okay. But you know, it, like it's it's important to note that like not all pensions are equal. They all come with, with a variety of different benefits and different structures. And and like you, you get simple money purchase schemes. So with that, it's maybe just easy to say, right, the value of it is this or that. But then you, you've also got to take into account like different people have got different life expectancies. I mean, you, you could have one of the parties that's in really poor health. So that might impact on what you think would be the best route to go down. So, so it is it, like, it can become difficult to, to kind of split pensions and a lot to, lot of factors to, to take into account there as well. But you, you can get reports, I mean, solicitors will, will sometimes come to financial advisors asking for them to get like cash equivalent transfer values. They, they may involve actuaries for, for working different things out. So there may be a few different people involved in the, the whole process as well. Okay. Now, each week so far as we've uh, covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So, Phil, today, pensions and divorce. What have you got on that? For, for myself, I mean, I've never been married, so that, that's one thing with, with myself. But, I mean, I have stayed with, with a couple of folk in the past. I know one of the times when I split with one ex-partner with new kids, so we just wanted like a clean kind of break. And what I did then was I said, right, I've got so much of my pension. I did think she had, she had very little at all. So, so we kind of did almost like a, at that point, almost like a, a sort of earmark or a sort of offsetting where, where I kind of said, right, I'll give you a bit more of the equity in the house if you leave my pension intact. So that, that was what we did in, in that occasion she got a bigger share of the, the flat that helped her move on because I knew that she couldn't get a big mortgage at that point and for me I just wanted a clean break I, did, I tried I, I waived my right to, to kind of legal representation I had to sign a form to say that I wasn't taking any legal advice and um, she did speak to a solicitor but we just wanted things kind of done and dusted but like I say if someone's divorcing or separating it is a good time to review all your plans. Um, what one tip that I say to folks like look, go and find out the value of your your existing pensions. Get what's if it's a defined benefit pension, they, they can give you what's called that cash equivalent transfer value. What one thing as well, I, I know in Scotland, if you're cohabiting and not actually married, you, you need to start the legal process within a year of splitting up, or or you may lose like rights to if, if you're cohabiting with somebody and not married. They, you could lose some of your your kind of rights to to things like pensions. So unmarried couples, they they're often shocked to discover that they've got a lot less rights than than someone that is married. And tip, tips that I give to people who are not married, I mean, I, I've never been married, and and a lot of these things I, I kind of looked at myself. But look at getting a cohabitation agreement when you're moving in. Wills are important, both for, for people who are married and unmarried. And if, if somebody's not married, even consider buying the property in proportion to the financial contribution that you put into it as well. That's called a, a tenancy in common. So a lot of things to take into account, even if someone's not married as well. And as always, we, we kind of come back around full circle to get financial advice from a proper financial advisor. Um, we always do this bit as well, Phil. You'll, you'll find inspiration, I know, through various people that you admire and you love a quote. So have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on pensions and divorce? 
Yeah, there was a couple of cracking quotes when I was looking for one <laughs> earlier. They, some of them probably wouldn't be fit for the podcast, but they, I, I went for someone a bit more they woolly. But the, the quote of the week this week, sometimes when things fall apart, they may actually be falling into place. And I guess the, the theory behind that is that at the time, you may not think that, that, that everything's working out for the best, but usually it does. I mean, I, I've been in relationships before where, Having it, things haven't been happy and and like for me I, I stayed in a relationship for a long time because of my kids and and in the end I thought no nah, it's actually better for them if if we're trying to get on and they together so it is it, it, it happens a, a lot these days and a lot to sort out but you know sometimes you don't think things are for the best but often it, it turns out that it will be all part time. of the all part of the grand plan, Phil, as they say. So, I and, and uh, just coming back to that, um, we, we spoke at the beginning about how women tend to outlive men. Um, the other way of looking at that is why why men tend to die before their wives, uh, and that was the uh, the joke that I was mentioning is because mostly they want to. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in just a second. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. As I thought all along, now furlough is at an end. I've lost my job. I've been told I've got a redundancy payment coming my way but not yet how much to expect. Is there any way to know roughly how much I might be getting and whether the company are obliged to pay me a certain amount or if what they offer is fair. So that's kind of like three questions in one there almost, yeah. but what have you got in that? Well, first of all, sorry to hear about the, the job kind of ending. It's, it's never good when, when that happens. We, we did do a plug for for a previous show. I think one of the very first podcasts we it did was, was on. It was the first one, redundancy, yeah. yeah. It's on redundancy, so... So there, there's probably some useful stuff in there, but good place to go, the, the government website. So it's gov.uk slash calculate dash your dash redundancy dash pay. If you go on there, there's a calculator and that can actually, if you put in all the details, it'll work out what you'd be due. And it's all based on your age, what your pay was and how long you've done the job. So if, if you go on there, you'll get a, a host of information on there, but that'll also be able to work out roughly what you, you should be getting as a, a payment as well. Are there laws in place designed to protect the, the outgoing employee in terms of what they receive, Phil? Yeah, I mean, they, they are, when somebody's made redundant, the employers have got a duty that they've got to, to kind of, there's processes they've got to, to follow. And people have got, when you're being made redundant, you've got rights there as well and again that that website's quite good it'll tell you about your your different rights it'll tell you about things like redundancy pay what notice period they've to give you if there's like consultations that they've to do if they've to give you the option to move to another job all, all that different things that they you tells you about all the the rights that you've got on there citizens advice is often a, a good one as well you, you can get a lot of information from them too but um, that government web page is, is quite good it's got a lot of links on on there for different stuff okay next is uh, julie in smithton by inverness who says hi phil uh, my dad died quite recently it wasn't sudden it was very peaceful he had a good life and a long innings but he was never the most organised of chaps, and as his executor, in the course of trying to put his affairs in order, I am all over the place looking for paperwork for financial products in his name. He left a note of what he thought he had, 
but had never got round to actually looking at documentation, and I don't know if I have any hope of finding it, or if time is of the essence in this kind of thing. I'd hate to think of something going wrong and a payment dad intended to go to someone didn't materialise because I've not chased them up sooner and got it organised. Is there any way of finding out through a financial advisor what products were in dad's name and then accessing anything of value in order to execute his will? You, you could certainly approach a financial advisor. I mean, they, they would be able to give you help with that. You, you might also want to speak to a solicitor as well. Sometimes if, if somebody had, if things were a little bit more complex, for example, if they had money in trust or if part of their estate was being left to young children, folk will want to, to involve a solicitor. We, we've had, I mean, here at my business, we, we've had letters from solicitors asking, look, did such and such have anything with yourselves? So they, they too can try and help you track things down. But yeah, that, that is something a financial advisor would be able to, to help with, or, or some some might be a bit reluctant to do it. But it, I, I know we, we've got a, a document that we'll hand out to clients and say, look, fill this in so that people know, one, where your will's kept and everything that you've got. So it, it is important for folk to try and keep an eye on that. But I appreciate that that doesn't always happen. And the, the other good thing to know is if, if, a, if you were using a financial advisor or a, a solicitor, any legal fees or, or advice advisory fees that are charged, that can be paid from the estate as well. So that, that's something to, to bear in mind. But you want to try and find as much paperwork as you can. It can be a bit like finding a needle in a haystack at times, but try and find as much paperwork as you can. And then like a financial advisor, or you could do try it yourself, write to the companies, maybe send a copy of the death certificate with them, along with a request, just say, look, this person's passed away. Did they have anything with you? And see what they, they come back with. But can take can be quite time-consuming as well. And, and some people aren't good at keeping paperwork. Some people will have stacks of paperwork, and then one company maybe got taken over by another, taken over by another. So you think that there's numerous things there, and it turns out that it maybe ended up being some of the cashed in years ago. So it can take a bit of time to, to piece everything together, unfortunately. Okay. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we have covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Mellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or in the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk Send him your question and like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast and please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcast. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time and thanks for listening. Thanks, John.